Happy New Year's, guys. This is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this is Q&A podcast number 21. And before I get into the interesting, witty, disturbing... I'm just kidding. None of the questions are disturbing. Before we get into the questions in today's podcast, we've got a little bit of something special. My lovely wife, Gergana, is joining us. Hey guys, Happy New Year. I hope, although it will be probably a little hard for you, but I hope that my accent will not be too distracting. <laughs> it's distracting me <laughs> already. Oh, you're just too kind. Okay, so first of all, I just have to mention what you hear in this podcast and what you find on my website is not medical advice. I am not a doctor. Neither is my wife. I, I'm just a uh, experienced, unlicensed self-experimenter practicing free speech and talking about my own extensive experiences and interpretations of published science here. So before you make any serious decisions that are going to affect your health or serious decisions about trying to remedy some type of chronic condition that you're dealing with, you should get a doctor's opinion on what I'm describing here. And ideally, you want to get a, a second or even a third doctor's opinion because, unfortunately, probably more often than not, probably about 60% of the time, doctors can actually be wrong about things. And so when you get a little bit more information from other doctors, you get a whole lot closer to what's actually going to help you, and then you can cross-reference it with the kind of research that I talk about. And it, as we mentioned, it is January 8th as we are recording this, so I hope that you are with boundless enthusiasm diving into your your goals and your projects that you are looking to have, you know, in the rear view and accomplished and checked off your bucket list by this time in the year 2020. That's right. We are rapidly approaching the uh, decades that are portrayed in science fiction films. So I hope that you're working hard on things. I would encourage you to do something a little bit different this year as well. In the past, I'm sure that you've had New Year's resolutions and goals that you wanted to accomplish. And if you're at all like me, you've probably fallen short of those New Year's resolutions in the past. And the important thing is that you do things differently than you've done them in the past when you're taking on new projects of new things in your life. And I'd encourage you to get some accountability going on. In fact, get some professional accountability going on. There's been plenty of times in my life when there was some goal that I had. And what I did was I went to like a friend or a family, like a close friend or a family member. I went to a loved one. I've, I've even gone to roommates and I've asked for these various people that were in my life to hold me accountable to various goals that I had, entrepreneurial goals, fitness goals, all sorts of goals. And invariably, when I went to loved ones in my life and asked them to be the people that were holding me accountable to my big, ambitious goals, 
it didn't work out very well. And the funny thing about this is that when you go to your loved ones and you ask your loved ones to hold you accountable to your New Year's resolutions, they will almost always, almost 100% of the time say, yes, of course, you know, I support you. I'm proud of you for even coming up with a New Year's resolution. And then they will proceed to not do hardly anything to support you in your New Year's resolution. And this is because it's just, it's not quite appropriate to impose upon your loved ones, impose upon the people that you share a roof with, that they come along and put pressure on you to, to do the habits, to do the, the daily things, to do the things that will push you outside of your comfort zone, to actually move you towards the big, uh, year-long type goals that you have. And then there's the other problem, which is that a lot of times when you go to your loved ones and the people in your life and you ask them to hold you accountable to the difficult things that you have to do, they have to kind of be the person that's really there pushing you. And so it introduces a degree of unwanted tension, friction, um, butting heads in the relationship that really you want for your, your relation, your, your relationships with your loved ones to be tranquility and pleasantness. You don't want them to be really confrontational. And so I'd suggest that if you want to accomplish your goals in a bigger, better, more awesome way than you ever have before in 2019, instead of relying on your own finite fallible human willpower instead of of doing this instead of guilting your loved ones into helping you hire a professional like me i offer a a very lean life coaching service called skin in the game but when i think about this now i'm i'm even thinking about maybe renaming this and just calling it lean life coaching that's kind of a cool name, yeah, isn't it? I think so. Maybe that's a little bit better. Maybe Nassim Taleb bookmarked skin in the game, <laughs> but I don't know. So I, I'm not yet decided on what exactly the name of the program is going to be, but it is a lean life coaching program where we do two telephone calls together. We're not spending like hours and hours talking with each other every single day or every single week. We just do two telephone calls. The first telephone call is 60 minutes where we talk about what exactly your goals are and we identify a medium term goal. We identify Identify like a one month, two month, or three month goal that you have for yourself. And then we outline an action strategy to accomplish that. And we create actually like a flow chart to go along with that. So you have a bit of a visualized breakdown of what you're going to be doing. And then we use an accountability tool for you to do the things daily or weekly that you need to be doing. And then I monitor you. I hold you accountable to that. And then in 30, 60, or 90 days, we get back on another phone call and we talk about how you've done and if you've stayed, if you've stayed consistent with what your goal 
was. So again, it's just, it's a real lean form of accountability. And because I'm not spending a ton of time with you, I think it's, uh, I think it's a really good value compared with a lot of other coaching programs that are out there that are like, they, they start in like the mid four figures range. They'll start at like 1500 or $2,000 or something like that. And then they'll go up to like $5,000 or, or more. And mine is a whole lot uh, it's, I think it's a whole lot more affordable because I'm just not spending all that much time with you. So it's pretty appropriate for people that are that are kind of self-starters, but they also recognize the value in having that accountability, that social pressure, motivational mechanism working for them. If that interests you, I would encourage you to check out a form on my website. I have this form. It's a really great form that you will be filling out some information about your goals, about your weaknesses, about your your vices even. It's it's a pretty personal form. That's why this is totally confidential. And I will be able to evaluate that form in about 48 hours after receiving it and let you know if I actually can help you. So I hope that you will check that out. It's not because he's my husband, but... I bet you that he's your best choice. Let's start with the first question. The industry and media tells us that our only worth is our visual appearance. I'm lucky I got that very young and been fighting against it since forever, but I feel sorry for the girls who don't get it and the boys who fall in love with those girls. Okay, so this was a comment posted on the video that you actually appear in (laughs) that we did when we were on vacation there on how women's social media obsession is biologically similar to men who are addicted to pornography. You can go and watch that video, that rather politically incorrect uh, concept that that I expand on in that video yourself. And so Karima is, uh, so yeah, so she's saying that uh, industry and media tells us that our only worth is our visual appearance. And that's, okay, um, she's making, she's accurate in some ways here, I think, which is that our culture is, ex- we have the, we have sexiness uh, shoved down our throat at every single point in the advertising and in the media that we consume all day long. You know, we see, what is it, 4,000 advertisements a day, or we are exposed to 4,000 advertisements a day. And I bet that about, I bet that at least a third of those are selling sexiness. They're, you know, a sexy lady in her kitchen cooking or something like that. And so, yeah, I, I would say that our, in, in, in a way, our, our culture does make the physical beauty. It does put it on a pedestal. But this is not, I'll make, I'll disagree, I think, a little bit with Karima's sentiment that this is not just a, a thing that's gotten perverted because of the advertising culture that has, that has, uh, subsumed our normal, our normal culture in the chapter of my book, Life Hacking Looks. In this chapter of the book, I mention how 
there's some interesting research done showing how beautiful people, really attractive people, actually have more daughters. They're statistically more likely to have more daughters. And this is because beauty is not just a social construct or a, or a marketing tool that we've all been indoctrinated by these 4,000 ads a day to, to buy into. Beauty is a, a manifestation of genetic fitness and of uh, fertility actually. And this is why uh, more beautiful people, their genes are more likely to produce more daughters. Because if you're a female, your chances of reproducing are really quite high. Whereas, at least historically speaking, as far as the human species go, men... <laughs> What's that? If you're not female, your chances of reproducing are... They're not... It's not guaranteed. <laughs> It's not guaranteed. But if you, if you are a female, historically speaking, mm -hmm. in the, you know, in the 200,000 year history of our species, your chances of reproducing are really good. Especially if you're an attractive female, your chances of reproducing are just about guaranteed. So I would say that, I would say it's good to be body positive. I would say that we should, we should be body positive, but we should also do everything possible to make our bodies as fit, uh, to make our bodies physically attractive. Uh, you know, going to the gym, taking good care of our skin, taking good care of our hair, uh, these sorts of things. I, w I would say I'm totally on board with that. I, I would disagree with the people that are body positive just for the sake of being, uh, body, body positive. What do you think? Yeah, but on the internet, a lot of the images are photoshopped. Yes. I would say the majority of them. Mm-hmm. Even mine sometimes. <laughs> I'll admit it. They're photoshopped? I apply some of those Instagram filters sometimes to make, to make, make myself look just a bit better than I do, actually. Oh, you look better. Thank you. Better than most. Okay, next question comes from Sebastian. Okay, Sebastian. So my rhodiola rosea comes with brown rice powder as an additional ingredient. This makes me concerned because the rhodiola rosea root is supposed to be brown right. Or are they just wanting to make it brown for appearance sake? Seems dodgy to me. I asked for their certificate of analysis, which they did give me, but it doesn't say if it contains rhodiola rosea. I would like to know what it tastes like to you so I can make a comparison. Mine tastes like a sharp, sharp tea leaves. Why do the prices vary so much? Holland and Barrett costs £25 for a month's supply at 400mg tablet, but yours seems extremely cheap, and I got a month's supply at Brain Power for £17 for 400g. Okay, so yes, Rhodiola rosea is naturally brown. They mentioned brown rice powder as an additional ingredient. I'm not sure why they're adding that in there. Brown rice powder. I know that 
brown rice as a food is not a very good it's not a very good food uh brown rice has is kind of gained some popularity as like a pseudo as like a pseudo health food as like a low what is it it's maybe like as a low fat it was one of these pseudo health foods but upon closer examination of human clinical trials, brown rice is not, it's not good. So I'm not sure if the brown rice powder is, is that, or if it's kind of just a filler. So I would be probably a little bit suspicious of a supplement that contained brown rice powder for no good reason. The rhodiola sources that I recommend, which would be like the, uh, the Nootropics Depot, their rhodiola is good. The Peak Nootropics rhodiola is good. The Focus Supplements in the UK, their rhodiola, uh, n- none of their rhodiola contains brown rice powder as an additive ingredient, as far as I know. But really, I would say that the most important thing is the, is the COA. And if they're willing to provide you a COA, and the COA says that the assay conforms, then that means that it is rhodiola rosea. That, that's the main thing that you want to look for on those certificates of analysis. Sometimes it'll say something like rhodiola rosea 98% or something like that, but sometimes it'll just say assay conforms. And so that's, that's good enough in, in my book. And rhodiola generally it tastes okay it tastes herby and it tastes i would say it tastes a little bit pleasant it has this earthy taste it's not a bitter taste and it it tastes i would say a little bit like roses that's why they call it rhodiola rosea and the prices vary on rhodiola because it is an herb and because there is that spectrum of quality with it. And it is going to cost more if you're getting stuff in tablet form. I, with, with herbs, prefer the powdered form. I find that's just a whole lot better value. And I find that it makes for nice, nicer consumption in a tea. So that's usually how I consume it. I would say if you're in Europe like me, your best bet is probably focus supplements stuff. Their stuff I use quite a bit. I saw the certificate of analysis for it myself and I was quite happy with it and I felt like it was a pretty good value. Next question. Okay, it comes from Veritas. Synapse or Bacognize? Thoughts, right? Yeah. Okay. And this was on my video where I was reviewing Bacopa. So Synapsa or Bacognize, these are patented forms of the nootropic. So there's these, there's a number of nootropic ingredients that are out there. Things like Bacopa, uh, Vinpocetine, uh, ginseng, ginkgo biloba. There's all these different, there's all these different herbal categories of nutraceuticals. But within these categories, there are patented versions of these nootropics where some company did research and they created a specific extract. So this is a bit of kind of a, 
of a hybrid in between the in between the the herb that that blossoms and comes out of the earth itself and something that's created in a laboratory where they have where they have optimized the molecules those natural molecules that occur within the herb in in a way that their research indicates is solid and so there's two versions synapsa or backnize and I found a really good article that synopsizes the difference, and I'll actually quote from it here. In terms of effects, synapsa has been shown to be particularly helpful for those in multitasking environments, while Bacognize offers more general support involving involving mood and memory. The main distinguishing feature between synapsa and Bacognize is that synapsa is cleaner in its effects due to the fact that it supports memory and cognition without many additional effects. Bacognize on the other hand, is more calming, but this sometimes comes at the cost of lethargy. Due to this, Bacognize is great for people who are a little bit on edge and are seeking mood support. Bacognize can also be used for sleep support and improves memory, quote-unquote, overnight. Synapsa, on the other hand, is more suitable for use during the day when you are after a general support of cognition and mood that isn't going to cause appreciable lethargy. Interesting. So yeah, it it sounds like one of these is a bit more stimulating and the other is not. I know when I used Bacopa myself, I think I was probably using something that was more comparable to Bacognize because I remember taking a little bit higher doses of it and then feeling a bit lethargic. I remember it being something that was conducive to relaxing and reading a book at the end of the day. So you'll just have to, well, first of all, I'd encourage you to read the article that I just quoted from, which appears on nootropicspot.com. I link to it in the show notes for this podcast. So you'll want to go and check that out. And you can actually purchase both of those types, or you can purchase both of them, you can purchase one of them, whatever you think is most appropriate, they're on nootropicsdepot.com. And if you spend over a hundred bucks with Nootropics Depot via the links on my website or the links anywhere on my YouTube channel, you can forward your receipt to me and we can get on Skype together and we can do a 30-minute biohacking consultation, which is actually free as long as you invest a hundred dollars in your biohacking via my links because Nootropics Depot has really high standards for their herbs, for their nootropics in general. So I reward people that invest in their health with them via my links. Okay, let's hear the next question from David. Yeah. So David says, you're confusing long-term memory with memory recall. You can't really tell if something boosts your long-term memory unless you take it for a long period of time. Okay. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess I say long-term memory because when you say long-term memory, most people are thinking of their capacity to remember their Spanish vocabulary from 
high classes that they took in high school or their ability to remember the name of that one guy that spilled a drink on their girlfriend in 1999 and then their girlfriend got really sad and then a fight ensued. You know, most people are thinking of that. Or what sinus and cosinus are for. What? Sinus and cosinus. Sinus and cosinus? Yeah. <laughs> what are sinus and cosinus for? That's math. That's math. Oh, sinus and cosinus. Yeah. Oh, my God. What are they for? Do you remember? Uh, for... Is this an algebra thing? <laughs> yeah. It was an algebra thing, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you remember what they are for? I... Ooh. Well... You're making you're making a good point here, which is that I have not been taking my paracetam, which I have not taken a paras have been taking paracetam regularly, which is the nootropic that I usually take to support memory recall. And memory recall is what this guy is talking about here, which is your capacity to don't really nobody remembers what sinus and cosinus are. I, I don't feel that bad about it because yeah, probably <laughs> it's almost been one more day where sinus and cosinus have no use for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what those are either. Um, however, to address this guy's point, there. Notably, notably, of all the nootropics that I've tried and researched, paracetam is the one that rapidly does improve memory recall. One of the most consistent things that people report anecdotally about paracetam is that they take paracetam for in between 10 to 14 days, and then they start to remember things from their past, little details from their past just come crawling out of their subconscious and they, they remember funny little things that might not serve a, a whole lot of good like sinos and cosinos. <laughs> we got a related question about Bacopa and he was saying that using it made him angry and that he was bipolar And he have he said, what do you know about phosphatidylcholine and its treatment in bipolar mania and depression? Just wanting to pick your brain as I've researched this area a bit. First of all, if you're dealing with uh, bipolar depression and you're experimenting with different nootropics and you've tried some things and maybe they've worked a little bit, but not quite as much as you want them to, I'd really encourage you to get in touch with me. I'd really encourage you to submit the consultation form on my website. It'll take you about 10 to 15 minutes to properly send me all the information that I need to make some intelligent recommendations. But if, if you're willing to fill that out, I'd be happy to talk to you and I might be able to give you some good ideas because you'll have to tell me what you have tried and what has worked for you. As far as Bacopa, Bacopa is slightly problematic as a nootropic because there's been all these cases of Bacopa having heavy metal toxicity. There's been these cases where people would be 
taking Bacopa that they were getting from their local pharmacies, which was like the cheapo stuff that comes from China that is contaminated with a bunch of pollution and heavy metal toxins. And if you are struggling with bipolar depression, on top of that, those heavy metal toxins are going to do God knows what in your system. They may make you more angry. They may result in all sorts of things. So what you would want to do is probably look at what the other person is looking at, is look at taking some patented forms of Bacopa. You would probably want to try both the Synapsa and the Bacognize stuff and see if either of those two affect you a bit differently, it would be, it would be really worthwhile to try that because Bacopa can have some really amazing, helpful effects. I'm also going to mention uridine. You'll want to check out my article on uridine. And with uridine, there's some good clinical evidence that it can be really helpful to people that are dealing with uh, bipolar depression because of the phosphatidyl choline pathway. So, uh, so I'd recommend I'd recommend uridine as as an alternative. All right, what's the next question? Okay, I'm schizophrenic but can't take vitamin B3 because I suffer from low blood pressure. Do you have any alternative suggestions? Okay, so. Vitamin B3, there was, there was a, there was this, there's an interesting, a very interesting guy in the annals of, uh, psychiatry, which was Dr. Abraham Hoffer, I believe. And he was, I think he was the founder or the co-founder of, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. And he did a lot of really interesting research with vitamin B3 niacin. And he reached the conclusion that B3 is a really good idea for uh, schizophrenics. Uh, he, he actually suggested that it could be the cure for schizophrenia. And so I did a little bit of further research with this guy's question. And there was a, okay, there was a meta-analysis that says, does nicotinic acid, niacin, lower blood pressure? And the abstract of the study did suggest that niacin may lower blood pressure when administered over a longer period of time. And what was interesting, taking a look at this study, and Sam here may want to take a more in-depth look at the study, they were saying that they were, they were a bit uncertain. They were saying that it may lower blood pressure when it's over a longer period of time. So I wouldn't, I, I would say you may want to actually do a little bit of experimentation here and try using vitamin B3 and see if it helps with the symptoms of, of schizophrenia some. And if it does, then you can go off of it. If it's something where it looks like it's going to require long-term administration, then you might not want to do that because long-term it's going to lower your, your blood pressure even further, which is going to, which is, that's not good, clearly. And you'd also want to consider just doing things that would increase your blood pressure because then you could 
then you could use the vitamin B3, which may lower it. As an alternative, you may want to look at the other forms of vitamin B3 to address the schizophrenia. I was reading this book, uh, this, this really interesting book recently. I think it was called uh, Mitochondria and the Future of Medicine, something like that. And in the book, they were describing how many of these mental diseases that so many people deal with, things like schizophrenia, they have their origin in mitochondrial dysfunction. And what the B vitamins do, one of the, one of the best things that the B vitamins do for us is they support our mitochondrial function. And that's what vitamin B3 does. So what you could also look at doing is taking some of the more bioavailable forms of vitamin B3 or niacin. So that would be like NAD plus, niagen, NADH. I'm going to write these down in the, in the show notes, uh, for this podcast. So you'll want to go and check that out. And you could try experimenting with some of those other sources. Okay. Next question. Next question comes from Harry. Okay. He's asking, what is your daily stack? And do you recommend any of the pre-made blends? I think neural stack seems interesting. Okay. Yes. Neurostack. Interesting indeed. I'm, I'm a big fan of Neurostack. I used that for about two months and I found that it had that, the quintessential nootropic smart drug effect where it makes you more energetic. It evens out the mood. It improves cognition a bit to where I feel like when I have to deal with, say, a web development task where I'm fixing something on my website where there's almost always something broken or not quite working just perfectly right. I feel like I'm a little bit sharper in fixing those kinds of issues. I felt like my typing speed was a bit faster on the product. And I felt like it overall made me a little bit more sharp in remembering Things. So I like Neurostack. It has a lot of really excellent ingredients in it. There's a couple of other stacks that I've used recently, most notably the Tau Ultra Nootropic. That, that's kind of an interesting stack because you just take a single capsule daily, but it really did uh, pack a punch. It really did seem to make me a whole lot more focused and energetic and even out my mood. So I like that one quite a bit. You'll want to check out the uh, links to it, which I will link to it. That was Ultra Stack by, nope, I'm sorry, Tau Ultra Nootropic. But to answer actually your first question, you said, what's your daily stack? And at the moment, I'm not on a daily stack. I'm actually taking a little break from nootropics. It's a good idea to take a break from nootropics from, from time to time. You don't want to be doing them all the time. And if you're using good nootropics, they should be kind of in a, in a subtle way over time 
reforming your brain and naturally making you just a bit more productive, focused, a little bit more, you know, balanced in your mood and in your thoughts. So yeah, I'm taking a little break right now. I think that in towards the end of this week, I'm going to go back on nicotine, which is one of my favorite nootropics. And then I think probably towards the end of this week, maybe next week, I'm going to go on an adaptogen-rich stack because I'm getting two of my favorite adaptogens in the mail in a big powdered package of uh, rhodiola and schisandra. So I'll be using those and that'll be my daily stack for a while. And then I'll probably, uh, you know, I'll go on some other stack in the future. Oh, and I'll mention too, because you were asking about pre-made blends. I had my own proprietary pre-made blend called Cabaijo, which consisted of a number of racetams and then some proprietary derivatives of tyrosine and magnesium that was a really good stack. But I am, uh, I'm hoping to synthesize that again at some point in the future. And so I'll go back on it and I'm certain that I'll be talking a bit more about it. But that stack was something that I had a number of biohackers that are kind of, that were real veteran, real experienced biohackers try it. And they were like, whoa, this stuff is, this stuff is amazing. This stuff is, is, is really a, a brain power stack. So the Kabaijo stack was pretty good. And then I'll also mention the, the Cortex stack that uh, Ryan with Cortex Labs puts out. You've probably seen him on YouTube as well. And I would, Ryan calls that, what does he say in his podcast? He says that it's the, that it's the pre-made stack that actually works. And I would say that it's the, that it's the pre-made stack that actually works that's relatively inexpensive. It's a, it's really a very affordable product. I think a single bottle of that stuff is like $28 or something like that. And most nootropic stacks that are like under $30 or even under $40 a month are a total waste of time. They're total, uh, they're total crap, not worth looking at at all. But I think, uh, yeah, if, if you're balling on a budget in a bad way and you're, uh, y- your budget is like under 30 bucks, you might want to check out the live Cortex stack. Okay. Next question. Next question comes from Eduardo. What did you think of Simon G. Powell's approach to resetting culture through an information carrier such as psilocybin? Information is not just something to be stored, it's something that acts upon reality. Information is not just something linguistic, but rather the linguistic aspect of it is a reduction of that which is the nature of all. I will read your book and let you know. In the meantime, thank you. Okay, so we looked up a couple of the YouTube videos and podcasts and the book by the Simon G. Powell guy. And the impression I got is that he's another one of these kind of hippie sort of guys that thinks that we should all be, thinks that we should all take psychedelics, psychedelics, all of us. Like, all the time. Yeah, and go on a ayahuasca trip. Yeah. So, I'm a bit skeptical of these kinds of people because 
I've I've looked I I was I did a research project. I did that research project for my uh, for a corporate client, and I I dug into the research on psilocybin and psychedelics, and the research is pretty good that they are helpful for people that are dealing with PTSD. People that are dealing with like heroin addictions, people that have like real serious mental health issues with, um, with like anxiety and those sorts of things. It, it seems like, it seems like they really are helpful, especially for the PTSD people. But the research showing that psychedelics are, and psilocybin are good for otherwise healthy people is pretty scant. There's really not a whole lot of research in, in that area. And there's this, there's this phenomena, a very well studied phenomena called HPPD. And I believe that stands for, uh, hallucinogen, uh, perpetuating disorder, something like that. I might be, uh, not saying it correctly, but it's, there's a real well documented phenomena that a certain proportion of people that use psychedelics are going to have hallucinations that stick with them. They are not going to completely return to, <laughs> to normal reality. They are going to have, they're going to see like ghosts in their houses. They're going to see uh, dead people. They're going to, they're going to no, hear thanks. voices. They're the, the effects of the hallucination that they, that they experience when they're just doing their psychedelic trip are going to persist. And in some cases, it just continues to persist. In some cases, people, in, in rare cases, in rare cases, people permanently break their own reality by doing, by doing these, uh, psychedelics. And so I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical on psychedelics. If, and if everyone, if everyone in the world did psychedelics, if we took our entire culture and had everyone in our culture, which would presumably do a cultural reset, you'd get a certain proportion of those people that would come down with persisting hallucinations. And that might be quite bad for our culture on a whole. And then I'll, I'll also, I'll add another, uh, I'll add another thing to this. You know, you, you hear on like Joe Rogan a lot. You'll hear Joe Rogan say, man, you know what we should do? We should just like imagine if everyone just did psychedelics. Like if everyone just did psychedelics, you know, we would have like, everyone's ego would dissolve and we wouldn't have like all these wars and all this, like all that, all the psychopathic capitalism. All <laughs> what if everyone imagined that we were flowers? Yeah, we'd just all be flowers together. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear, you, you hear a lot of talk like that <laughs> going on and the, the point that I'll make is there have actually been plenty of civilizations that tried that. You know, every civil, in this book, uh, Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler, he was talking about how different civil, every civilization kind of has a form of intoxication, which is socially acceptable. And then it has, 
uh, forms of intoxication that aren't socially acceptable. So if you're going to take like, let's say, let's say you're going to take like 8th century Islamic culture in Saudi Arabia, alcohol consumption was socially unacceptable, but um, consuming hashish was socially acceptable as an intoxicating culture. And then you take like, let's say you take like, like American culture in the 1950s and marijuana was totally socially unacceptable, but you know, drinking, a, a drinking four or five stiff vodka cocktails a day was totally acceptable. And so throughout history, there have been all sorts of different cultures where psilocybin and, uh, psychedelics and all, all the different, all the different psychedelics that you hear praised so much on Joe Rogan's podcast and on thousands of other wannabe, wannabe Joe Rogan podcasts, all of those different psychedelics were used in all sorts of different cultures throughout history. And they were not demonized. They were not placed on, you know, on a, they were not scheduled the way that they were in our culture. But you know, it's the really interesting thing. Which culture survived? Which, which culture is it that ended up curing polio? That ended up inventing the airplane? That ended up, uh, that ended up solving uh, mass starvation across the planet of billions of, of billions of billions of people. Um, which culture was it that invented the airplane? Which culture is it that uh, that sent men to the moon? I know some of you don't believe that, but but w- which culture is it that really drastically outperformed all of those other cultures that were using a lot of these psychedelics? Well, it was our culture. And in fact, all of those, in fact, those cultures that were using a lot of ayahuasca, that were using tons of psychedelics, well, those were the cultures that were murdering 80,000 people in a day on top of pyramids in Central America. Some of the most, some of the most psycho, psychopathic cultures were the ones that were using lots and lots of psychedelics. So I really disagree with the these people that I think kind of like Simon G. Powell are saying that we should just have everyone doing psychedelics. I think there's good historical reason to believe that that's would actually be pretty genocidally disastrous. Yeah, maybe he wants all of us to feel like butterflies. <laughs> Genocidal butterflies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What's okay. the final question? The final question comes from a guy who calls himself Virtue. And it's the following. Okay. I want enhanced memory to learn English. Can modafinil make enhanced memory? Okay. So modafinil is actually not the best smart drug for learning languages. Modafinil does, it does have a helpful effect on our memory, but I think modafinil probably works a bit more on our working memory, on our short-term memory, on our memory that does problem solving than it does on our long-term memory or on our memory recall to be a bit more precise about it, like the 
the earlier question was was pointing out. So there's a couple of nootropics that I think real really will help with your memory recall. And that would be most notably paracetam. When you use paracetam for 10 to 14 days, you just become a whole lot better at being able to pick out pieces of foreign language vocabulary out of your long-term memory. So paracetam is good. You're going to want to look up the paracetam protocol. In fact, I will link to that in this article because that is a combination of cofactors of paracetam that you'd want to combine that are going to make it as effective as possible and also make it totally safe to use in the long term. And you're going to want to also consider for supporting long-term memory for supporting memory recall, you're going to want to consider ginkgo biloba and ginseng. These two nutraceuticals together are the two nutraceuticals that have the strongest evidence of supporting long-term memory. And then I'll finally add rhodiola, actually. Rhodiola is a really amazing nutraceutical and there's some research done on rhodiola where they had students that were learning Russian, which I've tried to learn Russian personally, and Russian is a really tricky language to pick up, isn't it? Yeah. Say something in Russian. Кто? Кто? Кто это? Кто это? Да. That means, who is this? <laughs> Okay. What is this? That's right. So in this study, they found that rhodiola helps students learning Russia. And I would assume that it will also help you learn English. So good luck with that. Good luck to all of you. If you guys have not already, please go and order my book, my memoir, my life hacking manifesto, which is how to be cross-eyed thriving despite your physical imperfection. And this is a, it's a memoir, but it's also a personal development book at the same time. I'm sure you've read plenty of personal development books. And my gripe with a lot of personal development books is what they do is they just present a whole lot of theory. They just give you kind of like an abstract concept. Maybe it's a solid abstract concept. Maybe it is something useful, but they just give you an abstract concept. And then maybe they'll give you like some some applications of it. They'll be like, here's the concept. Here's how you would put it to work. But what I really like is I really like to hear some stories. I really like to hear some anecdotes that are backing up both the concept and the tactic or the life hack that they're that they're suggesting and that's what my book is full of so go check it out and i am jonathan and i'm gargana and what do we look forward to continued conversation with them yes Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, 
please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.